Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast. Before we get to the episode, we've got a bit of a mailbag. First up, a voicemail from Tim Schalpa about the 32 Footsteps episode. Greg, this is Tim Schalpa. I just heard uh, This Might Be A Podcast, episode 189, about 32 Footsteps. Uh, you had Tori Peterson on. Your guys' um, reading of the They Might Be Wiki interpretation that the song is about Teeth in a mouth? That's the most amazing interpretation ever. I never would have uh, uh, come to that myself. Uh, I can say that my original interpretation, back when I first heard the song in college in the 19, late 1980s, uh, would have been that it was related to uh, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The 39 Step. Uh, it, in my mind, it was always a takeoff on that. Uh, it's like Linnell heard the title of the movie and rolled it up with a number of uh, with a number of steps and every weird thing that might happen in any uh but he never actually saw the movie as neither have i have you ever heard of the 39 steps no what's that a pub finally the 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 folk interpretation by rachel jones and company of 32 footsteps was superb uh I, that's that's the best thing ever i'm looking forward to the podcast bye thanks for calling in tim I've never seen that Hitchcock movie either, and I've seen a lot of his. Uh, and I agree that Rachel, Ben, and Tim's cover mashup is awesome, just like the Prepare one was. Speaking of Ben, Ben Bird, who was on that cover, uh, he had a professor uh, back in college who... Um, who missed an opportunity to see the classic Johns. Ben got him to call in. Hi, this is Steve Estes, and in 1990 or 1991, I had a chance to go see They Might Be Giants for free on the campus of Rice University in Houston, Texas, right across the street from my dorm. I refused to go. Uh, Most of the reason I refused to go is that my then-college roommate played They Might Be Giants incessantly while I was in my first and second semesters of college. And although I was a musician, am a musician, and think the band's fine, I, in a fit of pique, refused to walk across the street to see them, which in hindsight was probably a mistake, uh, because they're pretty funny and um, actually a pretty good band. Anyway, that's my story. Well, at least he now admits that, yes, they are a (laughs) pretty good band. I would have killed to have seen them in 1990. Literally. Uh, next, I got some more well wishes for Flans from an unknown caller. Did not leave their name. Um, I believe they found me on Reddit. Uh, but, yeah, here it is. Hello. I am making this message to convey hope that Mr. Flansburg gets well soon, gets better, 
and that he is uh, back to full health very, very soon. Thank you, and uh, thanks for the enjoyable podcast. You are welcome, mystery listener. Thanks for calling in. Uh, I will send this episode along to TMBG Management. Um, I hope that he let Flans hear that first batch. It sounded like he was going to. Uh, lastly, something pretty cool from listener Ozzy Harms. Ozzy Harms answered the call when Tori and I <laughs> said, why didn't the Duffer Brothers use something off of the They Might Be Giants debut in Stranger Things? You know, Kate Bush is cool and all, but, uh, well, Ozzy did point out that uh, the Stranger Things season takes place in the spring, and the Pink Elm didn't come out until the fall, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he made uh, a video for it. Anyway, and you all need to go see it. Uh, if you go to YouTube and search for Ozzy's channel, if you search for Oz Harms, or you search for They Might Be Giants Save Max from Vecna, uh, you're going to see them put the uh, pink um, cassette into the Walkman. And uh, you got to go watch it. But here's what it sounds like. No freedom. Take me away. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson. And today, I welcome back to the show, for the fifth time, it's the first member of the Five Timers Club, it's Jonathan Leonard. And we're going to talk about certain people I could name off of, I guess we'll say, Long Tall Weekend, right? Uh, Here we go. Is that what we should say? Is Long Tall Weekend? I mean, this song has been like all I the guess. weirdest places. Been, yes, it has been. Uh, it had it's had quite the eclectic life. We can even get into that. There was uh, it was a factory showroom uh, reject, and so there's a debate that can be had about uh, what that could be in and what you would take out and how you would resequence. So, I mean, we could absolutely get into that. Yeah, for sure. So, people that. Our fans of the show and have been listening for a while. I mean, I guess some people, this, you know, could very well be their first time, you know, meeting you or meeting your voice on an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's new listeners all the time, which, you know, I love you all. Thank you for hopping on if this is your first episode. But if you want to hear Jonathan's fandom story of They Might Be Giants, 
you gotta go all the way back to let me look at the dates actually let me bring this up if i can find episode 30 something dates 32 museum of idiots was your first appearance and that was may 31st of 2019 episode 53 october uh posted on halloween of the same year 2019 tick 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 off of uh my murdered remains Mm -hmm. or is that more murdered remains my first disc or second it was on my yes uh your personal murdered remains who did you kill (laughs) uh then episode 68 i remember recording this this was a special uh off location Mm-hmm. Or on location, I suppose, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, two hours from me. I had the evening after the IMEA, Indiana Music Educator Association convention. I was away from home, staying in a hotel, and I'm like, I got nothing to do tonight. I think I hit you up like five days before. I'm like, hey, I'm going to have a free evening. You want to come on the show again? No, and no, it so wasn't even that. It was, uh, if I remember, I think it was just, who's free? And I was like, me. <laughs> like what, on that Twitter. Day? No, 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 it wasn't, no, it wasn't that day, but I think I just happened to be scrolling Twitter and said, I have a few hours to kill. Who's who's free? I'm like, ah, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll defend yeah. another yeah. spine song. God, that's funny. It's very rare. I mean, in 2019, uh, I guess less rare, but for me to just tweet out something like, who wants to come on the show? Like, it's a very rare occurrence because I have a million people waiting I was going to say, you, you, your uh, talent pool was smaller. You didn't have a yeah. fleet of cover artists. and Well, and back then, I hadn't even been a show for a full year. Right, now right. I'm to the point where people wait on the list for a full year. After <laughs> reserving a song, they wait right. for a full year to come on. Yes. With some people longer, because I've like forgotten. Now when people reserve a song, I put the date that they reserved it, the date that I talked to them, put them on the spreadsheet. I put that date next to it. Speaking of which, two new people are on the spreadsheet just today. I need to put today's date next to them so that I make sure they don't sit too long. But they're both ladies, so they get to jump the queue a little bit. I'm attempting, I'm shooting for 50% non-dudes is what I'm calling it. Uh, (laughs) For non-blonde dudes. And uh, in the six episodes that Averin edited, it was Four women and two men. So I yeah. did even better. And that's what I'm shooting for, because every episode already has one straight white male on it. <laughs> it's me. So I'm like just trying to get more diversity, always shooting for more people of color. I'll say, at least on the very small end of shows that I've been to, we're not an asshole group. That's about. That's all that I can say. Is yeah. Near as I can tell, uh, some of the most uh, chill relaxed audiences i've oh, ever yeah. been a part of has been a they might be giants concert but that's why when like i come across someone who's kind of a jerk i'm like are you really a they might be giants fan <laughs> like we're not we don't act like this like what are you doing like i had to block a guy on twitter a couple weeks ago because he was being a turd i'm like i don't need you i got plenty of nice people around i'm not putting up with that well it's you're, that you're or even, it's it's you're blacklisted from the pod people that just don't even under Stand like I mean I'm seeing people now that are complaining about with Rage Against the Machine being back together complaining about how they're way more political than I remember. It's like what did you ever listen to them, you idiots? 
You just didn't understand politics when you, politics when you first listened to them in middle school or high school or whatever. Or you just listened to the fun music and you bopped around, but yeah, or like I can't believe you know the members are saying these very progressive things on Twitter. It's like, well, oh, here, here, are I, you familiar with their work? I see, I see. You actually, hear the comment that I was just like, are you kidding me? Because uh, this was from the article about them reuniting and playing their first mm-hmm. show in eleven years. It's not rage against the machine anymore. It's rage against the freedom now. Was my favorite band <laughs> forever now. Just a bunch of Democrat socialist sellouts. What the hell? <laughs> Were they your favorite? Anyway, yeah. Anyways. I don't know. I just sang along and didn't realize. Well, I mean, you do that when you're younger. You might sing along with the song, like a simple song, like a love song or a breakup song. I, oh. You'll identify with that. But like something political, you might even learn all the words and sing all of them and not really understand it. I mean, for me, propaganda like, opened my eyes to like all of these crazy ideas, these very, very, very far left ideas. Yeah. And I didn't. But, but they would like. There was like literature in the booklets, and there would be citations, and it would have lists of books. It's like we recommend that you buy these books if you look if you want to learn more about these topics. I'm like, God damn, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like the lyrics on a page. Anyways, Um, okay, so uh, game on, Garth. So uh, episode 68 was Memo to Human Resources, Mm -hmm. like I said, Um, and then. So wait, what's it was date on that one? That was uh, February thirteenth of twenty twenty. Recently learned that's one of Jamie yeah. Kitman's favorite songs. Ah, on, uh, so then the I made you wait a while. Mm-hmm. That was episode sixty eight. So yeah, that was your third time on in the span of a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in Again, the span of a year, right? Smaller and then pool. The pod started taking off. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the amount of names on my spreadsheet got gigantic. So the next time you were on was all the way to episode 129 when we did the venue song, Minneapolis, First Avenue Stage. Mm-hmm. That was a really fun one. Yeah. Um, I always like ones where I do the only cover in existence. <laughs> like, I'm really like, there's no covers. And I did like, I mean, I guess you could call it a parody, yeah. right? Mm. I made it about Outdoor Valor. That was a fun one. Well, I mean, um, no one else was going to cover it. I mean, some from Minneapolis. Like, I think we Maybe. were like, what if the replacements covered it or something? You know, like, what if Paul Westerberg well, yeah. was like, you know, you know, we're like, why? You know, if I think we we're we're like, what if the replacements covered? We're the replacements. <laughs> yeah. Well, they and I will say, uh, update of First Avenue. There is a badass uh, Prince Muriel right by uh, First Avenue now that got painted. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, the late. Ed Ackerson, there's a band called BNLX that um, was on tour. Outdoor Valor played with them in Indianapolis in like 20, mm, 2011, 2012. God, it's a long time ago. And so they roll in, and it's a couple, It's a married duo. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, looked like maybe slightly older than us, and they were touring in a van and had their Boston Terrier wiggy with them. I'm pretty sure that's who their dog was at the time. He's passed on too, of course. Uh, it was a long time ago. And so so we're like, oh, what a cute dog. And then they set up and it's a man and a woman with the backing track. And they kicked ass. The, the woman, the wife played bass. The husband played guitar. So we like had this instant connection with them. And we're like, oh man, you guys were great. I mean, they were f- fucking incredible too. Loud as hell. like Just like everything we aspired to be as a young band at the time. 
So I kept in touch with him over the years. He set us up a show, our one show in Minneapolis on our big tour in 2013. Ed booked it. It was not at First Avenue Stage. I'm forgetting the name of the venue. I don't think it exists anymore. Um, and I didn't know you at the time, obviously. Though yeah. a lot of friends from Turntable FM, I don't know if you were on there, Turntable FM friends showed up. Like a bunch of people happened to be in Minneapolis. Very cool show. Um, we had some other old friends that had ended up moving there too. Um, like Blue Bottle's drummer, or Blue Bottle's singer's brother lived there. So like we got to hang out with all these people. And uh, get sushi and all this, and it was it was great, great time. So Ed um, passed away from cancer two years ago. Actually, I think we're coming up on three years ago. Um, like, didn't know he had it. I'm trying to remember what kind of cancer it was. Didn't know he had it until it was like stage four or something, Ooh. and it was just too late. And he. Um, was a fairly new father. I think his daughter was three or four when he passed away. Just awful. And Ashley, his wife, is amazing, too. I was wanting to have her on Best Midwestern to talk about Ed's legacy because he owns Flower Recording Studios in Minneapolis who records okay. tons of stuff. He, I think, runs or co-runs the label Sustone Records. And Ed is a guy who has been in bands his whole life. And his band, Polaris, actually has a star outside of First Avenue. Okay. Which is why I bring that up. Yeah. Um, and Polaris, Polara... Hold on, let me look this up real quick, make sure I get it right. Um, so, I mean, so dude, he had the best, best gear. He was playing a Rickenbacker when I saw them. It's like one of those hollow body Rickenbackers. I'm like, oh, wow. oh my God. I'm like, your gear is great. And he owns his recording studio, so like he has... All the stuff, and he's friends with a lot of big people, like other big producers, like um, you know John Vanderslice and Chris Wall, and all these people, like just like cool, cool people. Um, let's see. Oh, here's a picture of him wearing a turtleneck in this mod band called The Dig. Oh man, yeah. Ashley's just been posting a ton of pictures. She unearthed this archive of pictures, and she she and her friends finished a solo record he had been working on. They finished it. Oh, like cool. So he put out a posthumous uh, released record. Um, what was the name of that band? I'm trying to find that. Yeah, he was in all these mod bands. Like He is influenced by all this stuff that I love, all this UK mod stuff, British Invasion mm -hmm. Uh, dream pop, shoegaze, noise kind of stuff. Yeah, like just they were they were like so much like us in that they were extremely catchy. They're maybe a little harder than that to overlord, but still extremely melodic, but extremely loud and obnoxious guitars. Uh, <laughs> oh wait, there's there's them standing in front of first seventy stage. So there was actually a memorial with like flowers and everything. Like he oh, was wow. so big in the music community at at First Avenue by the Star. Ed Action, solid, solid dude. He's very much missed in the community. Yeah. I only got to hang out with him in person twice, but he had a bit, big impact on me just as, like, two people can have, like, this band that is just, like, incredible. Like, they toured Europe. They did all this stuff. You know, they uh, were incredible. Mm. I'll drop in a BNLX song. Meet Me at the Barricades is my favorite BNLX song.
incredible song. Uh, they did a before I even knew who Lana Del Rey was. They had covered uh, video games, and oh. it's so much better than the original. Uh, yeah. it's so good. I mean, I like video games. I like her early stuff. I digress. So, yeah, First Avenue was your fourth episode, mm-hmm. and then now, what number did I say that was? 128, what, uh, 129. Yeah. And now this will be, let's see, you're actually going to have a fairly fast turnaround on this one. Mm. Um, Tori, probably the fastest turnaround ever, Tori and I recorded the 32 Footsteps episode on Monday, uh, yeah, the 11th, and it'll post... Tomorrow, the 14th. Yeah. And then, so you are only going to have an eight-day okay. uh, turnaround. Yeah, got to build that back up. Next Thursday, Friday. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm, I'm talking to Greg Lindbergh, who hasn't been on since he was on uh, the Don't Let's Start Live episode. He, he's in yeah. Lafayette here. He's a local. And he was also on the Working Undercover for the Man episode. Okay. So it's been like two and a half years since he's been on. Yeah. He's going to be here in the studio. Nice. It's safe enough. We're both smart vaccinated people. Mm-hmm. I just had Omicron in Spain. <laughs> oh, man. Three of us got it. It was very mild. Um, but yeah, anyway. So certain people I could name. This is going to be episode uh, 190. Ooh. I'm getting close to 200. Yeah. And uh, Dan Leary. Dan Leary of the Four Science and Black Ops episodes. Uh, hosts the Reliant K podcast, uh, Sidney yeah. Hawkins pod with his wife. He suggested that I do 200 speed mails yes. for the 200th episode. So, yeah, oh, well, you I know think what? that's a you good should, idea. You should sucker somebody in just to get them out of the way. Also, uh, uh, you could have, oh, geez, that might actually be too big. Never mind. I was going to say sucker in all the Homestar stuff, but that might be too much. Well, what I want to do is try to get the Homestar Runner dudes. Oh, the Brothers on. Chaps? Yeah. Okay, so you can they, try to... I'm trying to remember. I feel like I tried at one point, and it didn't come through. I feel like... Because I keep making more contacts. And yeah. Like friends of friends and stuff that like might actually know them or have like a good contact. That'd be huge, because... I mean, Not just yeah, like, they hey, could some random guy. Fill in that, because they... I mean, they did... Uh, Different town. They did Crystal Fortress. They did the stuff with the puppet Homestar. Yeah, like, the whole like improv lot. thing. The improv studio stuff with the, the puppet. The couple amazing. times that the Homestar and uh, Marshy puppet showed up at the uh, Atlanta show in 2004 yeah. and same with them on stage. Oh, my God. I mean, there, so there's I'll, a whole I'll, I'll try thing. For that. <laughs> I'll try for that. I may or may not cut this out because it can't yeah, pull this if off. It doesn't in ten, happen. I mean, 10 episodes. Yeah, 10 episodes is, is two and a half months away. So maybe I can yeah. pull it off. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And so Certain People I Could Name is yeah. one of those songs in TMBG's history that's like this weird kind of... I mean, I'd say it's definitely one of the deep, deep cuts that mm-hmm. attained like that status among fans as like a beloved song yeah. that never gets played and is kind of just like reduced to like... I, I mean, when the most known release you're on is Long Tall Weekend... That's like right. really getting the shaft because Long Tall Weekend is like out of all their full lengths that they call proper full lengths, that one is widely ignored by everyone but us, including dorks, I think. them. Really? I mean, yeah, including them. It has seven known performances. We're gonna play two of them. Um, yeah. Did you that, did you resend them? I wonder if they're the same ones. Yeah. Yes, I did. Uh, uh, Are I, they I th- the same? I believe so. Uh, one that is the original uh, kind of. Uh, one that is more in tune with the album, and then one that uh, yeah. uh, we can get to it, but I, I kind of almost call it like the Elvis Costello version. Yeah, the 1996 <laughs> one. I don't remember which one. Because I have a 1996 one I sent you. Uh, I'm wondering see. if we should play that before we even get into the song because it's so different. Sure, hold so on. I have a 96 uh, and a I, 99 one. I, it's mine is a 90. Yep, 99 to 96. Yep, same one. Okay, but the. But the 96 one is the, uh, 96 sounds more like the album. The 99 one is the faster one. Oh, what am I thinking of? Well, after we talk about the song, we'll play the yeah. live recording. Yes, so yes, yes. If one of them, I was thinking like, oh, if the 96 one was the different one, maybe we should play no. that first. Because sometimes no. you'll see like it mutates from the nope. live version. Okay, <laughs> no, does not. Uh, yeah, usually, but usually the case is that it gets recorded and then they fuck with it after. Yeah. Certain people I could name, I don't, it's hard to say how these specific songs get so popular. It's something like, like an even better case of it is Tiny Doctors. Mm-hmm. Like a song that is just, you could find a bunch of covers of it. Um, for example, on Purple to Pay, the Peter Gritch version, I did yeah. not have to pay licensing on that one. I paid $1,200 worth of licensing to be above board to put that on streaming. Yeah. Did not have to pay licensing for Peter Gritch's cover. It might as well be his song because Linnell never claimed it on, never registered it on their BMI publishing rights page. It never got on an album. He basically has discarded that song forever. And uh, yeah, so I didn't have to pay for it. Like I couldn't. Like I, my life, the licensing, uh, easy song licensing site that, it's yeah. like the most used one for that. It's like, we can't find that song. Like, all right. <laughs> okay. So I went and dug around their BMI stuff, and it was not, not there. Similar with House of Mayors. Like when I put up, mm-hmm. we're thinking about putting this might, this might book a podcast, all the books and pamphlet songs on streaming. And Carrie's mashup of House of Mayors. And I can't remember the dream. Right. I was talking to my lawyer friend Jason about like, uh, we're gonna, are we going to have to pay two, two licensing fees on that one because it's two songs? Um, he was debating if we would have to pay any. Um, but what we decided on is that so House of Mayors, completely out of print, not on streaming. Uh, the only way you can listen to it is either if you own the CD or go to YouTube and see a fan upload. Mm-hmm. That is also not registered under John Linnell's name Ooh. for publishing. So that, like, he's pretty much just, like, abandoned those songs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they'll never play them. Um, it's a solo thing anyway. But so her mashup is basically 
Can't Remember the Dream, and some unknown melody of a song that doesn't <laughs> exist anymore in John Linnell's eyes. And, well, the reason that he was, Jason was like, maybe she wouldn't have to pay any is because by the whole reason she did it, it wasn't for the compass before that, uh, was that she noticed similarities and chord progressions and rhythms and melodic motives. Yeah. And she mashed it together. So in that one little, like, three-minute chunk was basically music criticism, uh, basically music analysis and criticism, uh, which would fall under fair use. Like, the whole reason I'm safe playing clips of They Might Be Giants is that we talk about them. Mm-hmm. That puts it under fair use. Uh, but my theme song is one that I recorded and is a parody because you can't just use, like, I think my brother, my brother, me, I think used an ABBA song for their first like hundred episodes. You can't just use someone else's song unless you are going to then talk about it like music journalism type Mm -hmm. stuff. So Jason was like, well, she's essentially commenting on the similarities between these two songs by mashing them up. She might not have to pay anything, but to be safe, we're going to pay for can't remember the dream right uh when we put that on streaming which when i have time to it will happen yeah it takes a long time to input all the information and upload all those tracks but mm-hmm. um why do you think certain people i could name became how did it how does a song like this achieve this status do you have any guesses I, guesses with this one in particular i have to think it's uh i think it all fits with uh it, relatable subject matter plus nice melody like the thing like it just Mm -hmm. on my own i decided just to be uh just because like while i'm at work thinking about whatever i just kind of the melody and was just like yes the the verses are kind of common but once you hit the actual chorus it's like it really travels somewhere and so i think that's just part of it and it's and it's not necessarily a wide vocal range it's not necessarily too belty so i'd say it's sing-along-esque there isn't any weird uh key change that an average schmuck couldn't sing uh it it it, uh it just kind of fits in there it it definitely lends itself yeah in on uh tmbg.com slash news lost HTML. This is linked, cited on the wiki. Uh, so straight from TMBG, the uh, TMBG news from way back, Flansburg writes about They Got Lost, the uh, collection mm-hmm. where I first heard this song. Yeah, they me got too. Lost. Uh-huh. And uh, Flans says about this song, hold on, just scroll. Where, where did it go? Certain people I should name a piano-driven song with a subtle charm from the Factory Showroom era. Don't really know how this got put aside, but I suspect it was probably more due to its mid-tempo than its high quality. So, yeah. it's, it is very mid-tempo. I mean, it's like, it's downright slow for They Might Be Giants. They don't do a whole lot of ballads, like something you'd call a ballad. Because this is, I mean, it's even slower, like andante. means walking, like walking yeah. tempo. This is, an, this is even slower than that. Like, if you try to walk on the beat, it would be awkward because it's even slower. It's like a very, you know, you're like maybe elderly person walking speed. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> or someone who hurt their leg. I mean, well, but, but a subtle charm, like Flan said. I think that might be it. That very well could be it. I mean, I even kind of thought about... Uh, 
like the speed and what have you that I kind of thought, how did this got cast aside? And so then I, in my own head, I kind of did uh, a factory showroom sequencing, as in like, yeah. how could I, where would I, where would I stick it if I wanted to modify with the B sides? Uh, what the the okay? The rules that I gave myself is. Uh-huh. Uh, same amount of track listing, so it wasn't like, oh, just add another track. So you gotta swap so it. Have to get something out, and uh-huh. and try my best for it to match uh, sonically in terms of tempo. So like, it's not just mm-hmm. a bunch of slow stuff, and also not mess up the usual rhythm and flow of most TMBG albums, where it's usually Linnell Flans, Linnell Flans, Linnell. F- a lot. I'm not saying they always do that. Sometimes it's they did it more back now, in the day. More, I, back in the day, they were more. I think did more like back and forth. Exactly. Well, today you'll see like a couple, fl- a couple flans, flans and a, a couple. couple but I, they were still kind of doing that in factory showroom a little bit. But uh, so, so I, I, I can just quickly running through. If you want, here's the BS of factory showroom resequencing that I did. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. So, uh, track zero, uh, get rid of uh, token and instead have that be I can hear you as, oh, as the track zero. That would make sense. That would make sense. Token Back to Brooklyn is whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Um, I mean, it's not a great song, and you could tell why they tucked it away, but well, I can hear you. That is a great and interesting song. It's a and great having song. it hidden. That's what I mean. A great song hidden? Yeah. Like with the subject matter and have it be I can hear you just barely hear you and needing to rewind your CD player to hear I can. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, uh, till my head falls off opener. Uh, get it, I, I'm just saying right now we're actually getting rid of SCXXY. I know I'm getting rid of oh, the lead okay. single. Uh, how can it's I sing like a girl? It's, yeah. Number two, metal detector, New York City, exquisite dead guy, XTC, your own worst enemy. Sense around the space funk version, yeah. pet okay. name Polk, certain people I could name, unforgotten, spiraling Ooh. shape, bells are ringing. Okay, so wait, what else did you get rid of there? SCSXY so let me, uh, and what else? Let me see. Uh, um, what was the other one that I got rid of? That seemed like more than 13, but I don't know. Uh, okay, I. Allmusic.com gave Factory Showroom two stars. <laughs> Ooh, man. Uh, okay, let me... S- Rolling Stone gave it two and a half. Alternative Press, three stars. Chicago Tribune, three oh, stars. Oh, shoot, I did mess up. Yeah, you got too much. Wait, no, no, wait, no, no, wait, no, I didn't. I got... I uh, did Did I put it in this? I thought I counted that wrong. Oh, man. So I violated my own damn rule. Uh, I broke my own rule. You broke uh, your own rule, you son of a bitch. Uh, shoot. Okay, I guess, uh, okay, I guess then, uh, Unforgotten can go back to being a thing. So, swap out Unforgotten. Great, but yeah. So, certain okay. people spiraling, bells are ringing. Yes, okay. I know that that would end up finishing. I think the reason I had Unforgotten in there was I was like, do I want to close out the album with three Linnell tracks in a row? Yes. <laughs> but, oh, well. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, wait. So wait, what else did you lose? Did you say that? So SCXXY I guess so I guess it would have been I guess it honestly would have been just swapping out SCXXY and unfor- and not having unforgotten. Was XTC still in there? Oh wait, no. Oh no, it would be swapping yes. Okay, so it would be getting rid of token and SCXXY. 
Ah, Token, yes. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Cause, okay, because you get 14 songs, 13 yes. tracks, but the, also the hidden one. Yes. Um, I got you. Yeah, I okay. like that. I like that idea. Sense Around <laughs> definitely should be... I mean... Okay, so the thought is that Sense Around, uh, when we did it, that episode with right. um, Matt... Uh, well, it was with the uh, Giants Confirmed podcast guys, who I think have put out eight episodes yeah. um, in, like, four years. Uh, <laughs> they came. They preceded this podcast, yes. and they just they paid more attention to their other podcast. But great guys, I've also been on their uh, Forkcast episode. Well, Matt uh, is on both. Solid dude. I think we we posited that sense around got left off because it's too much like till my head falls off in vibe tempo rockingness. But an album can have two songs well, that rock see, that hard I, for Christ's sake. I do remember that, but that is precisely why I stuck that between your own worst enemy and pet name. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. doesn't mess got, up the flow. Uh, yeah. So no, fast I mean, <laughs> like. Uh, if one was gonna, if you're gonna swap certain people for one of similar, say volume and tempo, you know, dynamic range, your own worst enemy is softer and slower. But I would never lose that track because to me, no. at the time, even like right off the bat when I heard that song, I'm like, this is like a duo throwback song because it's like drum machine and the Johns. Actually, I think it might be only. I haven't done that episode yet. I think it might be only Linnell. I, well, I mean, without delving into that, love that weird little synthy thing that plays in the background of uh, when they say in the song that meow, meow, I, meow. I always love the lyrics too. Yeah, yes. that's all Linnell. Uh, Garo Yellen is on cello on that one. He's all over. Um, yeah, you barely recognize the cello in there. Uh, it sounds like a duo era song, and it yeah. is a duo, but Flans isn't one of the two. It's Linnell and Garrow Yellen. Um, Anyways. Yeah, I would never lose that song. Just the, I mean, the guy with the messed up face. I always find that hilarious back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And then, no, that I'm excited to do that episode. Who is signed up for that? Alex Nimeroff. Well, and, and see, I know about the, and I know the similar thing with the speed, but I was like, that's why you pick the, that's why you pick the space funk version, because I think that differentiates uh-huh. it enough from till my Head falls off sure. with that little mini sure. weirdness. Okay, I'm gonna read the Anyways. all music review of Factory Showroom. Okay, okay. ready? So, uh, so I love allmusic.com. It's a site I've been going to my whole musical uh, life since college because that's what we used a lot for. Um, if there is a song, a new album we were putting into rotation, and we're like, I don't know, what do we say? You know, recommended if you like. You know, R-I-Y-L. Recommended if you like what? We don't know this band very well. It just came in. Who they sound like? We go to all music for like uh, any sort of like possible related artists, blah, blah, blah. And this, it's the site's been around for forever. So this was probably written not in retrospect, but at mm-hmm. the time. Stephen Thomas Erlewine, who I think started the site. I mean, he's got a million reviews on here. He's like the head guy. Uh, I know he runs it and still does, I think. He said... Uh, very short review. They were shorter back in the day. He gave it two out of five stars, said, Factory Showroom, They Might Be Giant's second effort with a full band is a stronger album than its predecessor, John Henry, Okay, boasting a more natural sound and a more diverse selection of material. However, John Flansburg and John Linnell are still suffering from a slight creative block. They even recycle an old B-side, James K. Polk, as evidenced by the lack of memorable hooks and forced jokes. 
rough. But the thing is, you can tell, unlike those Pitchfork reviews, he knows they might be giants. I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, unless he did really, really good research just to write this like four sentence review, he knows. He obviously knows John Henry. I mean, his opinion's wrong about that. John Henry. Well, I was going to say, I don't want to see his John Henry review. Good Lord. Oh, yeah, I should go take a look. I mean, I like the production <laughs> better. I like the production better on Factory Strong. Yes. And I love all the strings. I would hate to lose the strings of SEXXY, but everything else about it could go. Um, it's it's better production, but not a better set of songs. But I still wouldn't say on Factory Show that they were suffering from Creative Block. I don't think they have ever in their life suffered <clears throat> suffered from a, a from a writer's block or anything like that. And well, like, yeah, okay, they brought back James K. Polk, whatever. No one heard it from that EP. I mean, that shows that he really knows this band because he already knew James K. Polk. But that's rough. I think that was kind of like my spine thing that I always bring up, putting in the greatest disappointments thing, saying, yeah. uh, which I think I just brought up on the last episode, how I'm like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Like, it sounds like he's a fan, and he's like, eh. I mean, it is, one, it is at the time, it was their weakest album. I Best guess. productions to, to date, like, as far as, like, high-budget production. But probably weakest selection of songs, but that doesn't mean it's bad. And I would say also maybe a creative uh, low point just in terms of the... I gotta imagine it sucked the final tumultuous chunks of time with Electra. Like yeah. that, it didn't. They weren't getting promoted. They were buttonheads. There was the. All, it's all covered in gigantic. <laughs> yeah, and I've said on all of those episodes, like every Factory Showroom one, where it's like a big production, big uh, arrangement. I'm like, this is them just taking Electra to the bank using all the money they could for these session musicians and time in the studio before they knew you know the time was up a couple years later um the actually Rick Anderson wrote the John Henry review and he gave it three out of five and he says a lot of good things hmm. he twice says smart Alec herky jerky novelty songs which uh, is uh, oh something he said just in case you thought, the only thing they were capable of was smart Alec herky jerky oh. novelty tunes. On John Henry, they put together an honest to goodness rock band and show that they know how to use it. The result is one of the more satisfying They Might Be Giants products, a crunchy yet sweet assortment of the usual bemusement, unrelated thing, weirdness, spy, and again says smart Alec herky jerky novelty tunes for Meet James Enser and Extra Savoir Faire. Okay. Uh, bolstered by an unusually hard rocking accompaniment. So he's saying. Oh, and then he says, kudos to best bass player and pair Ubu alumnus Tony Maimonet and to drummer Brian Doherty for coming up with the tectonic groove that powers AKA Driver. This guy obviously knows the band too. Okay. And to everyone involved for the irresistible guitar pop of Subliminal and I Should Be Allowed to Think. Good review outside of the phrase novelty songs. Oh, yeah. Like I could see someone, a, a person hearing uh, something off of Flood and being like, uh, these are just a bunch of guys that think they're too smart, and it's herky-jerky is definitely something like people say, like, the talking heads are herky-jerky, whatever. Um, fair That's enough on that. But the novelty <laughs> tunes, that I don't like. But everything else about that review, yeah, fair points. A lot of good things. Props to Tony and Brian. Very much deserved. Mm -hmm. I agree. So anyway, back on track for um I, I like your switching out of the track listing and i agree with a lot of that i would lose token i would lose scxxy i would also consider losing xtc though i got nothing against that song and again i love the strings honestly james k polk i've listened to that song more like if i didn't hear that song ever again i might be a little sad but i wouldn't cry about it i've heard that song way too much 
Um, that one to me seems, if I was going to call anything a novelty tune, it's like the ones that are about like a historical figure. Really, uh, you're like, oh, this is cool. I learned stuff. And then you're like, yeah, because there's nothing to interpret really. No, right? there isn't. Though I had a lot of fun on the episode with uh, Dan and Steve, uh, yeah. who was a his- history major, going way in depth on that song. So with certain people I should name, uh, the leaked demo, I think, is what we really need to play Yes, before we properly talk about this song. And yeah, this uh, now this is when a demo was a demo, because it, <laughs> well, it's, it's also hard to say, was there tape degradation? Uh, was there multiple rips of the tape exactly like a xerox of a xerox losing quality it's hard to say a few survivors samurai survey the battlefield count the arms the legs and heads and then divide by five drenched in blood they move across the screen thoughts on the demo because you yeah, just pointed this out to me and i had downloaded it and forgotten about it <laughs> oh it's uh it's extremely uh sparse and different i mean there's a i mean there's a couple big differences uh the the first major one is the second time that you go through the dun 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 uh linnell mm-hmm. puts actual lyrics onto that so that's different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of him going, certain yeah, that's, that's... people. Why I could did he take name. those out? He doesn't I, like singing the title of the song. Maybe that, he like, th- that I, aggressively. I I, I I I don't know. Or maybe just thought. Eh, maybe he thought that was stupid. But now, now that I've heard that, when I listen to the factory, or uh, uh, not factory show, uh, the uh, any of the other miscellaneous, uh, the. Uh, no, not miscellaneous. Uh, Long Tall Weekend or uh, They Got Lost. I I think I'm going to inherently sing that over top of that 
apart, like even if Yeah. <laughs> but that yeah. and then also there is a lyrical change on the last verse where this is kind of where the interesting debate comes in because we'll also get in with the uh live version, but there's a debate I there's I think a debate or a case could be made of what is the superior third verse lyrically. Uh-huh. Cause you have uh let me bring up the exact difference. So at the last one you have Mr. Nature Voice describes what anyone can see as the lizard eats a helpless creature on TV. Music underscores the tragedy as the camera moves to close up on the reptile's mouth. Why don't they say what we all think? It's reminding them of anyone we know, isn't it? So like certain anybody could miss the obvious and the clear uncanny resemblance that's so like them, that's so like them in the background. Isn't that yeah. just like certain people I could name with that's just so like them, again, sung in the background. Mm. So there's definitely a lyrical difference there. I I, I, yeah. I, I kind of... I There's just something about... I, I, I do like Mr. Nature Voice. I love Mr. Yeah. Nature Voice, because that makes me... Yeah. That makes me think of, like, any uh, nature documentary that you... That, uh, uh, I, insert old British man yeah, here. Yeah, it's always the same. As you or see. Or British woman. Yeah, it's I, always I, an old British person. Exactly. It doesn't matter if exactly. it's a U.S.-produced I, I wish I yeah. could do an accent to do an impersonation of said British man doing the... Uh, <laughs> looking well, at hold the... Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me give it a try. Let me give it a try. Uh, hold on, let me bring up those lyrics. <laughs> and I'll say the lyrics. Well, I'll say I, the lyrics. What? What's up? What? Let me give it a try. Uh, let's see the lyrics. Well, I don't Mr. know if you necessarily voice. need to do... Because he's kind of just describing, so it would be just like the nature scene of seeing, like, watching... Wait, wait, here... Okay, here we go. Okay. Uh, if we watch closely, the lizard creeps up on its helpless prey, stalking it from afar. And then, at, after a moment, we see it pounce, and the lizard eats this helpless creature on TV. <laughs> As the music swells up, yeah. <laughs> and then just zoom in on that crunching mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? And it's like slurping up whatever it is. And, and I love the I love the ambiguousness of what creature are we talking about? Like, I mean, as in yeah. what is it? I mean, are we talking about lizard attacking? Uh, is it another lizard attacking a lizard like happens? Or is it just, I assume, insect? Yeah, I assume I'm insect. insect. But the, what if it was human? <laughs> oh, so you have like a one of those boa constrictors. Since I looked, snakes are technically a lizard. You just have the oh, maybe one of those nature shots of the uh, of the big snakes unhinging their jaw and devouring a deer. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and you see yeah. the you see the body form and the skin and oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, it like becomes a human sized lizard just trying to. Slurp it down. Exactly. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, yeah. I I do like that. It's always, you know, it always seems like Linnell. I guess not exclusively, but it seems like when when things like this are discovered, where there's a demo and lyrics are dropped or cut or changed, that Linnell, Linnell's lyrics are always awesome. But there's so many times, there's a handful of times where I've been like, man, 
that certain lyric in the demo was perfect. Why would he change that? And, well, and here's something else to even back that up. Uh, in the eventual live versions we play, he does the Mr. Nature Voice version. He's never done the version that they actually recorded and put it out. So I think <laughs> even Linnell personally might like Mr. Nature Voice. So I don't know why he thought at this end of like, oh, let's change it. And then it goes live and goes... Um, or maybe it honestly could be knowing uh, how they are. Somehow, Mister Nature Voice is the version that is permanently etched in his brain, and since they don't do lyric sheets usually, that's just what comes. <laughs> that's what he naturally <laughs> has in there is the Mister Nature Voice lyrics. Or as, oh, I know. Last night at the gig I played, we debuted a new song of mine, and I totally sang wrong lyrics <laughs> that. Uh, we're from a previous edit. Oh, but you just, I, if you're like, oh, I forgot what the next line is. You just scream something. Oh, I mean, it, if you really get down to the details when we get to the uh, live stuff, if you listen to the ass end, the lyrics, it, it gets absolutely brutal with what. <laughs> yeah. Members. I'm going to have to play. I'm going to have to select certain spots of those live versions to make sure it's showcasing these, I, these I, spots we're talking about. I'd say begin. I mean, beginning and then that final third verse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's cause no problem. The, I mean, cause yeah. I'll say the, that the middle chunk is exactly the middle chunk is exactly the same on both versions. It's just, you could do the opening so that you get the feel and the tempo and that last verse just to play the differences. The middles are the same, mm-hmm. you know. Yep, yep. Yeah, so we'll get to those. Yeah. This is a little uh, pre, yeah, a little spoiler alert. So yes. uh, spoiler alerts, there's different lyrics. Now, yeah. uh, people are going to love that stuff because it's, again, this is one of those songs that I feel like people listening to the podcast, maybe may like 50% of the people that listen to this episode would be like, Oh, I don't think I've ever heard this song before. Because even within the fandom, it's like uh, not they're not being a physical release. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned this on every Long Tall Weekend track episode I've done. I'm like, I didn't hear Long Tall Weekend until years after it came out. I didn't have a good enough internet at the time to download it. And I don't think I even knew about it right away. Because you're not... Social media wasn't a thing. I mean, I think my MySpace page was was pretty close to you know I was pretty close to having a MySpace page in '99. I don't think MySpace was around until like 2001, 2002. But like social media wasn't really a thing. So unless you were going to TMBG.com or you subscribed to eMusic or something like that, how would you know? Exactly. You would have to, I mean, I think that they had a fan club letter or whatever, but yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, I was ever a part of their fan club until like four years ago. But, I mean, it does have this grab. I'm just looking here. The rating on the wiki, when I saw it, it absolutely blows my mind where it's ranked. Yeah. I, you 99. See, 99 out of 910. Like, good God. And you have 107 wikians who uh, who put their stamp on this. And so that I'd say that's a pretty decent sample size. Yeah. Definitely, like it's, it's not like you got. If if it's over a hundred people voting, right, then it's then, definitely then it a credible scoring. Um, yeah, if there's like twenty people voting, it, then it's like, yeah. But yeah, it's almost up to it. It's almost a nine. I mean, it's an eight point nine uh, average score. Like I said, this is one of those songs where it's like, if you know it, uh, if you're, you're, it's one of those songs that like you know, 
if you're going to use the youth lingo that is now five years out of date, people stand this song. <laughs> you know, they're going to go to bat for it because they're like, I'm cool and I know this song. And it's, and it's a good song, obviously. I mean, I'm not going to give away a possible score. I haven't fully decided yet. But, like, if you know this song and you like it, you're going to tell people about it. You're going to score it on the wiki because you know it needs that help because it's a deep cut to swiping on what they might be giants call a proper album, which is up for debate with many people in the community about Long Tail Weekend actually being an album and not a compilation. But that's... that. We're not getting into that now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do you want to get to... Um, do we need to play the factory showroom session version? I mean, that's almost just like yeah. a lower quality version of. No, what I don't came think out. so. I think it's the same thing. I mean, it's not even listed on the chronology as like the mix is different, and I don't think it is. No. Oh, the second bullet point. You want to read it on the trivia? Sure. Uh, John Linnell said that this song was inspired by noticing the similarities between a friend of his and a Kurosawa film. I will say, uh, for starters, uh, my basis of knowing anything about Kurosawa is first and foremost because of the Bare Naked Ladies One Week lyric. I'll admit it. That's the first time ever. Uh, like Kurosawa, yeah. I make mad films. K, I don't make films. But if I did, they had a samurai. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. So Akira Akira Kurosawa was born in 1910 in Tokyo. Um, lived to the age of 88. Died in 1998. Yes. So right around. I mean, the song was written before he died, but it came out right after he died uh, on Long Tall Weekend in '99. Um, I'm pretty sure what movie. Yeah. Too. I think. Well, it, yeah. What. I think it might be Seven Samurai that came out in 1954. Okay. Uh, Why do you think that? Okay. Well, I will say, first of all, uh, for anybody, uh, when we get through this, uh, apparently, according to IMDb, you can currently watch it on HBO Max with a subscription. So go ahead. But anyways, uh, because of the fact it does, uh, looking at the synopsis, this makes a lot of sense. And I ended up looking at the actual plot device so i saw spoilers but uh a a veteran samurai gathers six samurais to protect a village from me or from cruel bandits as the samurais teach the natives how to defend themselves the village is attacked by a pack of 40 bandits and sounds like a good uh when i spoiler alert on this a lot of people end up uh dying except for a few at the and uh from what this sounds like (laughs) It almost sounds like a non-comedic samurai version of Three Amigos to me. I do not think they're singing a Japanese version of My Little Buttercup in this, but... Um, Probably not. But anyways, uh, I think that might... It, it is conceivable, knowing how uh, well-read the Johns are, that... Uh, Cultured boys. That Linnell would watch uh, Seven Samurai in the 90s just for uh, shits and giggles. Uh, (laughs) Isn't it funny, though, to think about Linnell watching samurai movies? I don't know what it is about that. (laughs) 
Because we all, you know, Linnell doesn't let us into his world a whole lot. We know he's a photographer, and now he's got this Instagram. And he reads a um, lot of books and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. It, yeah, I think just, you know, he watches movies when he, if he knows they're important or a touchstone, um, something important to film history, whatever. I mean, they're just like cultural oh. sponges. They just like well, who's, anything who's, that's important, they feel like they need to educate themselves it, on it. Well, they're they're yeah. boys who like to learn. Here's the way I could put this. Uh, I could very well see this being uh, John Linnell's version of shut your brain off stupid movie. Like most of it would be like a Marvel uh, movie uh. or a Spider-Man movie in the background while they're doing and Linnell's like, I don't know what to watch. Let's put on some Kurosawa. Like I yeah. think that's just how, right. how his mind might go. Let's put on let's put on I I cuz I don't think in the 90s this would have been like uh TV viewing like flip flip through the channels and and you see like Tommy Boy on Comedy Central. It's not like he's flipping going, ooh, Seven Samurai's on. <laughs> I, I think yeah, this, I don't think so. It may, I, maybe AMC. <laughs> yeah, this might have been uh, appointment uh, appointment viewing. But yeah. anyways, yeah. I, I think this very well could have been. But anyways, to so I think he may have noticed a similarity between a friend of his and a character in The Seven Samurai. And we kind of... Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> I, a friend of his is a samurai. Now, I mean, what does this mean? I, I'm, what does that mean? I'm, I'm guessing. A friend of his. I'm guessing it means that it's somebody that he knows that just displayed a particular characteristic, and I don't know who he may have been watching this movie with a, a significant other at the time or a friend, but I gotta imagine that the response from the person next to them is kind of what inspired I'd like to think is what inspired this that he would say doesn't and then the person is just kind of staring at him with a like don't don't you kind of see how this guy's acting like this this yeah. guy we know and then the other person's just staring at him with this blank look on their face yeah. like, what the hell are you talking about I'd like to think that but, that's uh, how that scenario played out and then somehow well, okay on Wikipedia, there is a list of the seven samurai with a short description. So okay. let's just see which one we think fits the best. So uh, let's see. Uh, Kikyokyo, a humorous, a humorous, mercurial, and temperamental rogue who lies about being a samurai but eventually proves his worth and resourcefulness. Then we've got Kenbai Shimada, a war-weary but honorable strategic ronin and the leader of the seven. Um, let's see. Shichirochi, Kanbei's old friend and former lieutenant. Katsushiro Okamoto, the untested son of a wealthy landowning samurai whom Kanbei reluctantly takes in as a disciple. Uh, Henshachi, jeez. Uh, yeah, I know. Hayashida, and I'm trying. <laughs> An amiable, though less skilled fighter whose charm and wit maintain his comrade's morale in the face of adversity. Hmm. That might be um, it. Kyoto, a serious, stone-faced, and supremely skilled swordsman. And Gorobai Katayama, a skilled archer who acts as Kanbei's second-in-command and helps create the master plan for the village's defense. Mm, it also has the villagers. It even lists all them. A hothead villager, a timid old man. Yeah, I, I don't think it's one of the villagers. disguises his daughter as a boy to protect her from the samurai. Huh. Yeah, I don't think it's one of the villagers. Uh, I think it's one of the one of the seven. 
How about the bandit chief? <laughs> <laughs> How about the bun seller? The one who sells the steamed buns. How about the samurai with a gun? Samurais are allowed to have guns? That seems like cheating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't even know if this is the right movie. That was your guess. I like it. Let's pretend. So let's pretend it's... Um, it's canon. It's canon now. Where? Yeah. Un- Hinshachi, <laughs> right. Undisputable uh, fact. Hayashi Hayashida, an amiable though less skilled fighter whose charm and wit maintain his comrades' morale in the face of adversity. Is that the one we like? Uh, that or the or stone the, face supreme skilled swordsman. That that are the uh, <laughs> maybe the sword. <laughs> that are the I would yeah. say the, yeah I don't know Cute I don't sword. know. Anyways, <laughs> it's fun to talk about this I know. dumb stuff. Um, uh, well, that 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 covers all the trivia. Well, I mean, at, that covers yeah. that covers the first verse. Now the right. second verse, <laughs> I actually have a theory. Now I will say. Uh, credit to somebody in the interpretations tab to pointing me in this direction. Oh, I uh, haven't looked there yet. But uh, okay, this isn't going with what the song is about. But specifically, not not the Donald Lumsfeld. I don't get that one. But uh, spe- yeah. <laughs> but uh, specifically the tab about Pauline Niramasahuko. Okay. Because uh, it. Uh, she was uh, someone who went on trial in 2002 for her part in the uh, Rwandan genocide of the mid-1990s. And there's a whole Wikipedia article, and with how, again, well-read Linnell is, that seems like something he would read up on in terms of news. Uh, Yeah, is a Rwandan politician who was the Minister of Family Welfare and the Advancement of Women she was convicted of having incited troops and militia to carry out rape during the Rwandan genocide of 1994. Jesus. She was tried for genocide and incitement to rape as part of the Buter Group at the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda. In 2011, she was convicted of seven charges and sentenced to life imprisonment. Hmm. She is the first woman to be convicted of genocide by the ICTR and the first woman ever... Wow. To be convicted of genocidal rape. Jesus, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, brutal. How how does how does someone become a person like that? That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um. So the person in the interpretations tab does say, point out, yeah, that the, pointing out this is Daryl Plant. Daryl Plant is that yeah. Daryl Till? No. <gasps> uh, let's see. I remember reading an article about her the first time I heard this song a couple of years after I read the article, that described her in almost exactly the same way with a cigarette and epaulets. Very creepy. Cigarette and epaulets, yeah. That, uh, wow. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, there's the Mayfield Giant songs where you're like, this is kind of silly. And then you learn about it, you're like, this is not silly. <laughs> this is dark. Yo, oh my God, especially. Or you know they're dark and they get darker. I mean, this one is count the arms, the legs, and the heads. Well, yeah, but I mean. By five, drenched in blood. Yeah, they move across the screen, but I mean, even uh, now. Now here's the part that is, I think, is also where the 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 funniness comes into the fact that we just talked about this person, and then saying, "Look at this woman! Doesn't she remind you of this genocidal, uh-huh. rapey, overlord, inciting woman?" And then you just look over yeah. there and go. No, I mean, I, I, it's it's almost uh, it's almost a 
trivial comparison to like the people that for a good chunk of time uh, compared everything to Hitler. Same kind of thing. Right. You're uh, worse than Hitler. Yeah, exactly. You're worse than Hitler, and, and it led to one of my favorite uh, uh, John Stewart jokes of all time when that was really spiking. And on the Daily Show one time, he goes, "You know who really reminds me of Hitler? Hitler!" <laughs> like, <just> like, <laughs> God, like my favorite joke along those lines might be in uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Titus Andromedon. Do yes. you watch that show? Yes, I love oh, that so show. Oh, so good. Titus Andromedon, he... Is it because he dresses like a geisha? I can't remember. Yes. There's, there's some, yes, there some is. play that he's in that is very, like, not PC, yes. to say the least. And people are protesting this play, I think. I'm, I'm remembering from years ago. <laughs> yeah. A few I, years I, ago, yeah. that, last, that last season. And people <laughs> have t-shirts that, like, that he's worse than Hitler. Yes. I wonder what computer owners are saying about me. A form to advocate respectful Asian portrayals in entertainment. Fine. I will take a silent face journey as I scroll through this comment section. They called you a Hitler? They named me one of their top five Hitlers of all time. Real Hitler wasn't even on the list. Why am I not allowed to be Murasaki? I she am was me. Exactly. Live versions. Yeah. We got to go chronologically here. Okay. And anyway, it saves the funny one for last. So, 1996. Now, they played. Did they play more than one? Because this is one of those where there was like early show, late show. You see a lot yeah. of these back in back in their early days, mm-hmm. you know, as younger men playing multiple shows on a day. Um, so it was played. Is the recording we have from '96? Which date is it? Do you have that in front of you? Oh my goodness! Just because they played it five times in '96, once in '97, and once in '99. That is it. Seven times. Okay, the '96 version is we fourteen nineteen ninety six in New York, New York. The very first performance. This is the debut. Of them playing certain people, I should name early in '96. Uh, let's listen.
yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how it ended up. It's crazy that like songs like that that uh, people love so much now, it sat for three years, didn't make Factory Showroom. It made the set list for, uh, six well, th- or mean, five times in the, months of, in the month of March. Well, uh, recently, Linnell had completed writing the track slash demo when they're like, okay, let's take it for a right. spin live, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. But a Factory Showroom, I mean... It was recorded, uh, I mean, within that time. Yeah. At least according to Wikipedia, December 95 to August 1996. Yeah. And then it came out in October. That's a pretty fast turnaround, actually, for Back then. recording to pressing. Yeah. You know, for a major label thing. You guys haven't put out an album in two years. We've got to put it out. And I think, yeah, I mean, if they're playing it in March, they played it five times. They would have, like, you know, they road tested it, as we call it in the biz. Uh, and he had it pretty much where it would sit, you know, minus the vocal or the lyrical changes. Yeah. Why didn't it make the um? Yeah. I mean, or like one of the EPs, like the SEXXY EP. I mean, they were putting out so many EPs back then. It deserves an EP. I mean, it's on Long Tell Weekend. Again, Yeah. a proper album, as they say. But I didn't hear it for years. Till I Got Lost came out. And, in, and who uh, knows? Or They Got Lost, 2002? Yeah. Right, and who knows when they pieced that stuff together. It wasn't necessarily like they got this done and goes, oh, this will be nice for our internet album thing. Like, I think that kind of came right. a little bit later in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But. Yeah, and just, you know, just the existence of the compilation They Got Lost is the Johns realizing three years later that not a whole lot of people heard Long Tall Weekend. I mean, it was the best-selling internet-only album of that year or whatever. Yeah. Which was big back then. Like, it was a big deal. It's cool that they did that. Um, But they were like, whoops. Okay, let's put out an actual CD. (laughs) Let's put, you know, we got to get these songs, you know, uh, you know, rap troll. We got to get, we got to get these songs out to the people. uh, And, to take a Flansburg uh, uh, exact uh, kind of quote, having the uh, best-selling internet album of that year, that's, that's again, another situation of being, like, the world's tallest midget. It just right. <laughs> hey, we all know from Stefan and SNL that not supposed to say that anymore. Not <laughs> well, that was Flansburg circa whatever on a British TV show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so he did say that, yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, anyway, and even Token Back to Brooklyn, they're like, I don't think a lot of people found that song. No. Let's put it someplace where you don't have to rewind exactly. it to it. So that was them basically being like, whoops, I guess we should let people actually know about these songs widely released on a physical disc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember hearing that, like, it kicks off with the rest of a while. I wasn't buying those EPs. I didn't buy those EPs until... Like the past few years when I started the podcast, yeah. I'm like, I need lossless files yeah, of all these songs. Yeah, yeah everything. And, and mainly so I could rip them straight to the computer right. and have a WAV file of them to drop into the episodes. Um, yeah, it kicks off with Rest While. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, why is this not on an album? Like, mm-hmm. that song kicks ass. Talking to Dan Hickey about that and just like about the snare drum he used. And he's like, it was a c- steel snare drum shell. It was heavy as hell. Yeah. I was like, oh man, it's amazing. God, yeah, I'm like, you You clearly listen to punk rock. That drumming, you're a punk rock fan. He's like, eh, not really. I'm like, man, you nailed that song, though. Uh, so then we've got 
do you, do you want to queue up the the other live recording that we have? So we're playing two of the seven total performances. Sure. What are we going to let people hear now, Mister Five Timer? <laughs> Step up well, to the plate. Let me make sure I get the right uh, date on this. This would be. 10-23-1999 at the Bowery Ballroom in New York. Their beloved Bowery Ballroom. But yeah. this version is uh, a little bit different take on this. So you described it as what did you say the Elvis Costello version? Absolutely, especially with that. Yeah. Uh, especially with the way Linnell has his keyboard set to that organ kind of that's peak like Elvis yeah. Costello in the attractions. I even like just to be an idiot even tried singing it in a horrible Elvis Costello voice, and it absolutely works. <laughs> I am not doing that on the podcast, Greg, but. <laughs> I love Elvis Costello. He's got such a great distinctive voice. I love Elvis Costello. Are you are you're a fan, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, my parents definitely weigh more than me, but I I like the main stuff. I saw him at a free concert once, and it was awesome. And and I saw him open up for Bob Dylan. Okay, there we are in, the... in Minneapolis. That one was actually a, a quick. Had one of my favorite uh, concert stories because it was taste in Minnesota, and, and they don't do it anymore. But anyways, it was for around. Uh, might have been around fourth, maybe a little, little bit after. But anyways, the deal was you could get in for free, except you're buying tickets for food and drinks or whatever. That's fine. But then mm-hmm. at the stage, they had it completely barricaded off. You had a general area where you could be, but then you had to pay for a premium ticket to have a physical seat on the inside of like the actual Okay. Piece. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, something that, like that. Yeah, nobody wanted to do that, and so you <laughs> see the sea of general admission people, and then the seated area with maybe three or four people in there, and three or four that <laughs> paid well because it was like an extra fifty yeah. something dollars to get a seat, and then you could yeah. But and so, anyways, it went out the, and the wow. show was going <laughs> That's on. Embarrassing. And that seemed to uh, genuinely um, kick off Elvis Costello. Yeah, and so that it weren't part of the concert. My dad was like, "Wow, this is like some peak '80s Elvis Costello rebellion." It was maybe like five or six songs in, and he goes, "You people in Minnesota know how to jump fences, don't you?" <laughs> nice. And, uh, well, and people did it. Well, okay, one person did, and then immediately got uh, <laughs> tackled by security. Oh. And got taken away, and and Elvis was cons- considering, and it almost made me think of uh, the Simpsons when uh, Bono and his security take home were out because the guy, as he was <laughs> yeah. getting taken away by security, did yell, "Elvis, help me!" 
<laughs> oh, it's Hobie. And, and, and then I, was just like, I was like, what did you think was going to He'd stop the concert and go, let that man go. Like, well, you know, I, I mean, the fact that of, he did call out for yes, it, yes, he, he's, he's uh, going to be taken in front of Congress. He incited a riot. If everyone jumped the fence at once, it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. one or two people, you got to outnumber the security. And then the security team would just be like, oh, all right, whatever. No, no. So we can't we, handle so this. We were watching it behind a, a fence. Tonight. <laughs> yeah. No, I know that uh, there's this place called Ravinia in the Chicago area that does a ton of classical uh, concerts, but they'll do pop concerts too, and it's kind of like that. Where when my family would go to hear something, because they did like kids concerts too, like Rafi would play there and stuff like that. I think uh, where there were lawn tickets, and we would go and actually like put out a blanket and eat, you know, like bring like a picnic dinner and eat before the show, and then we'd go up and you could watch closer. Or they pumped it over the speakers or whatever, um, and it was a fun time, and. But there's stuff like I think Weird Al even played there on his uh, his orchestral tour. Oh, cool. I mean, I didn't go to that, but like it was that kind of thing. Like I, it never had those that kind of shenanigans. Like people, it must not. A, I don't know the difference in prices because yeah, I've pretty much only been when my parents were paying. Yeah. Because it would always be full. It's a really nice outdoor amphitheater, and then a big lawn area. Real nice, real classy kind of place. Like I said, a lot of orchestras play there. But yeah, that's embarrassing. That's like a spinal tap moment. Mm-hmm. Oh you know, God. that's like spinal tap at the Air Force Base level of like embarrassing yeah. concert where it's like, well, I mean, he shouldn't be embarrassed because he's like lots of people. I can see all the people that came to see us. But like, what the fuck? Well, you what know, is this venue? You obviously plan this poorly. Yeah, you plan this poorly. Exactly. You it, obviously well, didn't understand what you people were willing to pay for. Anymore. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Failed. Uh, so yeah, cool version. I love when they change stuff yeah. again, you know, 99, it was finally getting released, but it did not sound like that on long tall weekend. Uh, yeah, they could have at that point been like, well, let's do this version. Um, so that's odd. You know, we're about to get to the cover section. No one covered it in that style. Wouldn't that have been, that would have been like the cool nerdy cover? Where it's been like, well, I know about this live version and I'm going to play it in that style. Or even super nerdy. If anybody covered it with the demo lyrics, nobody did it that either. Right. Well, I'm preparing a four of two cover for the no compilations coming up that they might be ship posting. And I'm doing the dark demo version yes. of four of two uh, with Kai doing some saxes for me yes. and I'll do some trombone. So I'm working on that uh, soon. Probably this weekend. I'll kick it out. Um, yeah. Cause like, Oh my God, that was a revelation <laughs> when I found out about that. Yeah. And I'm like, this song rules. It's the darkest TBG song twisted into a kid's yeah. song uh so the covers you as a five-timer are very um i mean even on like your third time i think you were like, like helping me do research before i yeah i wouldn't even ask you you'd be like here's some stuff i found i'm like oh thanks yeah exactly because especially like i mean it was a big help this time around for you to find those covers because uh coming back from spain i had a gig last night mm-hmm. i recorded an episode two days ago and have one tomorrow i've already had to start researching for um just like the, i think people understand at some level the kind of work that goes into something like this i mean thank god for the wiki but even with the wiki that's a starting point yeah. you know um digging up live versions of covers that's usually you know you gotta do that on your own mm-hmm. um not to mention, like, formulating your thoughts on the song and uh, analyzing chord progressions and blah, blah, blah. Um, so you sent some covers, and I like how you label these. Newer cover man guitar. <laughs> and this is, 
<laughs> this is a guy who all of a sudden has stormed the scene of the TMVP cover section. Um, shameless covers by Shameless covers by Puerco. His name is not Puerco. I don't know where that came I from. I wish he was. Wish it was. <laughs> oh God, that would be a great. Uh, like a Mendoza type line to yell up to the heavens. Right? Puerco <laughs> Mendoza. Exactly. Two days away from retirement. My daughter's graduating from college. Little Susie's growing up. And as soon as we nail Mendoza, my old lady and I are gonna sail around the world like we always wanted. We just christened a boat. Oh, yes, sir. Everything's gonna be just perfect. <laughs> Bane. Yes. I'm not gonna make it. Oh, stop talking crazy. No, 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 no. Just do one thing for me. Get Mendoza. Mendoza! So, Puerco, let's listen to his cover. He's come storming on the scene. You've heard him before. Uh, Belinda on the 4 of 2 episode, coincidentally, said he sounded like he'd had too much coffee or something along those lines. So let's listen to his Certain People I Can Name cover. The few survive and samurais invade the battlefield. Count the arms, the legs, the heads, and then divide by five. Drenched in blood, they move across the screen. Do I need to point, or do you see the one I mean? The one in back, the way he acts, is he reminding you of anyone we know? Isn't he so like certain people I could name? Here he doesn't sound too much like he's had no. too much coffee. He keeps it fairly chill. Yeah. yeah, what do you think about his cover? He's he's a really good guitarist. I, I, and, I like his cover. Yeah. And, and the, this is a more visual. I like how he it just naturally has the uh, rocking motion and that the song kind of creates. He just kind of rocks back and forth since it's in. He clearly uh, knows the song. He's not like staring at a chord sheet. Oh, that too. And I mean, even, yeah, it's... Uh, no, it, it's absolutely a uh, solid cover, especially uh, taking it, a great job of taking all the instrumentation in there and just playing on guitar. And it, it doesn't necessarily sound like there's something essentially missing. Like it's this is mm-hmm. this is how you would execute man guitar saying newer cover man guitar. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> man with guitar. It's like okay, that narrows it down, right? It's uh, yeah. I it's um the piano part is so the movement on the piano part is such a big thing in this song that yeah. it's actually kind of a tough one to pull it off with a an instrument that I mean you could play that little lick on the guitar, but it would make it significantly harder, especially oh, yeah. if you're singing along with it. But yes, so kudos. 
So then we've got your next one labeled multi-track cover two years ago. Yeah. Now, I think it actually might not be multi-track. I think it was all recorded live. It definitely has that bedroom sound, which I love. goes right along with the hand-drawn... Uh, they might be giants. Subway, yeah, subway scene of a They Might Be Giants fan listening to stuff. You People got to see this. It, it, I'm hoping it's one of their kids' drawings, yeah, uh, which would be delightful. But Luke Hennish, who, again, he came up on the on previous week's episode for 32 Footsteps. Yeah, but Luke Hennish, his cover of certain people I could name. It doesn't say who else is on this, no. but there's clearly, uh, it's not Luke singing. I know his voice from the couple covers I've heard. It's uh, it's a uh, someone of the lady variety. I don't know. Let's listen. sounds multi-tracked lo-fi or it's just like a mic in a room well uh see i I looked in the comments and so that kind of uh uh helped it said uh it's actually not me playing the from someone who commented oh not me playing the instruments it's actually a midi i had that was pretty bad until i moved some stuff around it and it sounded a lot better as for the drawing, it is a subway. And as for the light preserver, it's actually a floating eyeball, a reference to TMBG's song, <laughs> Haunted Floating Eye. Here's the, the original comment is David Id- David Marks. That's not his real name, but I won't give away his real name. David Marks, who is all over uh, the fan communities. You can find him on Miscellaneous T, was the original comment. Yeah, is that play- you playing all the instruments? Yeah, and here's the link to the MIDI on my channel. What subway line is it? I'm rooting it for it to be a G or L train. So I think it's the TMBG train. Yeah. It's it's the TMBG train. <laughs> well, he's, he's, I, I might be scared to go on a TMBG train. Who knows where you might wind she's up? She's missing the easy joke, You might joke, get lost. He's missing the easy joke. What's that? What? It's Mrs. Train. There you go. That's It's the Mrs. Train. Uh, it, it's It's the train to nowhere. Uh, yeah, but he doesn't say who's singing. No. That's not him singing. That's not him singing. No, unless he's just doing some weird falsetto. I've heard his other covers. We just had one on the last episode. Um, weird. Yeah, but a good cover. I like hold it, on. and I like we'll, the kind of lo fi I think we're gonna oh, get what? somewhere in a second. Let me do some quick. Okay. I think I should. In the case. Hold on a second. Find out who Luke's dating or married to. <laughs> No, 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 not that. I think I will yeah, okay. leave a comment saying. Yep. 
We're playing this on the episode. No, not even that. Just who is that singing? And I will let you know if I ever get a reply back. Yeah. Done. Yeah. I'll, I'll get so look. Yeah, Luke on Facebook. We only have one mutual friend. It's Glory. Anyways. Maybe I should add friend and be like, hey, I've played your covers a couple times. Yes. So next, let's see. Um, which one is this? Oh, yeah, this one. Oh, my God. I love this one. Okay, so then you found uh, Sow and Friends on Bandcamp. Yeah. Um, from 2009 on an album uh, called the, the gist, the gist. And it's got like a distorted kind of Mona Lisa cover. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, is this a cover sound? Let me look at the full. Um, I don't think so. Uh, uh no, it says a this. collection of weekly cover. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Co- okay, yes. Wiggly cover versions. So with that in mind, wiggly cover versions, let's listen to certain people I could name. This one, yeah, this this one is cool. Yeah. Interesting. It made me laugh out loud at a couple oh, points. Me too. With the background exclamations. Yes. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very fun. Very fun. I like that one. So, yeah. So it's S J E S A U. So S J S A U. S J E S A U. Bandcamp.com. And you can buy that track for uh, half a pound. <laughs> yep. They're British. Yeah. So it's Sam, S-J-S-L. Sam Wisternoff okay. is the guy's real name. Okay. Yeah. Uh, according so, yeah. to the Bandcamp description. Yes. Uh, so then we got to play our pale guest host, Joel Yellowitz, now part of the TMBG Covers crew, submit stuff to me recording constant TMBG yes. 
covers when he's not being a radiologist. <laughs> yes, from their album Mid- Miserable Speak Show Quarter. There. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a CD copy of this now. Please press this to CD. So nice. You can buy it. You can buy it. Let's listen. She lights her cigarette. Look at her. You must see it too. Is she reminding you of anyone we know? Isn't she so like certain So Joel's covers are always um, fairly faithful, yes. and we talked about it on the episode he was on on uh, Prepare. Um, fairly faithful, and he's the kind of guy. Like, if people have been listening, they heard that episode just mm-hmm. like seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, and he's using TMBG covers and other bands he likes to cover. Um, as an excuse to like record a lot, get better yeah. at recording, get better at playing his instruments. And I totally respect that. And he is really, he works hard oh, to yeah. make these sound good. And this is another good one. Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. This is a, I would say this might be the most faithful of the covers. And now for one that's not very faithful, <laughs> <laughs> what I just sent you. Okay. So you, you heard like the first chord or something yes. when you queued it up. So your kind of kitten Gerwin Kramer and I were planning on heading up this kind of collaborative collective, loose collective of TMBG fans doing covers of obscure songs on this might be a podcast.bandcap.com. You can find uh, way down on the, uh, in 2019 spring of 2019, we recorded uh, this is only going to go one way. And that was fun. I played my stylophone mm-hmm. on that one. Um, I programmed the drums. I did bass, guitars, stylophone, and vocals. And Dana Williamson, Sonia Rousseau, Gerwin Kramer, and Bryce Hurst all contributed. And I know all of them pretty well at this point. Sonia, not so much. She's a little more shy type, has not been on the pod from what I know about her. Very nice lady, though. I think I met her in person at the Bloomington. I think she still lives in Bloomington, Indiana. Anyway, so we were going to do certain people I should name at one point. And uh, let me see if I can... Let's see. You're kind of kitten... Let me see if I can find the file date of when we, when I started recording this, and it just never fully came to fruition. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It says today's date because I've just brought it up. I ex I just exported 
no extra mixing, nothing else. I exported what was already there, mm-hmm. which is no vocals. I don't know. Maybe I'll get, maybe I should sing along <laughs> with it right now. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna try that. Let me write the lyrics. Elvis Costello. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think I would need to be. Well, you'll see the style. Okay, it's definitely not it. Well, not that far from some stuff Elvis Costello used to do. <laughs> uh, let's see. Why did I close that wiki tab? Why would I? Why would you ever close the wiki? It should just be always open on everyone's computer, at all times. It, it, I, I am on this site so much. If they had ads on this site, raking it in for me. Whoa, hold on. Okay, I'm gonna play. It. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna play it in my okay. ears here to uh, sing along with it. Let's see what's gotcha. the best way for me to do this. Bring it up on this computer. Let me try this. Few surviving samurai survey the battlefield. Count the arms, the legs, and heads, and then divide by five. Drenched in blood, they move across the screen. Do I need the point, or do you see the one I mean? The one in black, the way he acts. Is he reminding you of anyone we know? Is it he so like certain people I could name? Halfway through the 30 minutes, halfway around the world. Here's the story on the genocidal overload. In her palace with her epaulets <laughs> Watch her little gestures as she lights a cigarette The look at her, you listen to Is she reminding you of anyone we know? Is it she so like certain people I could name? It, we're done. That's the end. Yeah. Oh, the little drum tag on there is fucking around. <laughs> oh man. Uh, God, there's something there. I should have yeah. finished that though. That'll sound pretty funny with me just first try singing it. Because I don't think I was planning to be the lead singer of that or anything. But that was fun. That was fun. You got it for. Uh, you got the first few verses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think. Well, I think the only point I got to, I was just having right. fun with it. But I did two tracks of clean, two right. tracks of distorted. The, I mean, I got all the way to the lead line. I learned yeah. the song pretty well. And then it just died on the vine. I mean, I think I was like, I proposed it to Gurwin because we were kind of heading up this collective or whatever. Yeah. Really, we did one song. And, uh, and I was like, what do you think about a ska punk version? And he's like, yeah, how would that work? I'm like, I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll send you some tracks. I think I sent these to him and it just kind of didn't go yeah. anywhere. So I'm just like, here's, here's the idea. Like, here's the... This wasn't the final versions. It was like I was planning, like, oh, I'd re-record some stuff. It desperately needs bass for those scout parts. But okay, so we're gonna score this song. Yeah. My computer's a five percent. We gotta end yeah. this episode. <laughs> we gotta score it. What do you think? Oh Lord, as I've been kind of going through this more, I'm thinking. <sighs> I think I might have to give this a seven point nine. 
Okay. Yeah. It's a tough one because it's one that's kind of been shoved aside. A fan favorite of the deep cuts. I mean, this is one of those. If they brought it back like Quiet Storm style or something, people would lose their oh minds. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, I mean, the people in the front row, as they like to say. Yeah, yeah the dorks. Dork alert. Honestly, though, I liked my cover better than the original. <laughs> but I'm a guy who likes fast songs. That's slow yeah. songs. And that was fun. Scott was starting to kind of make a comeback, and I'm like, I want to do a ska cover. Six um, way, let's go. And that's what I'm doing for four of two. So there will be a four of two Scott cover. You shall all see. So certain people I should name. It is a super fun song. Uh, Not my favorite tempo range, but yeah, I'm punk guy. I think it's good, though, to have got to have some mid range ones. I'm going to go straight up seven. Let's do seven because it's got to go below 32 footsteps, which I just gave it 7.2. yeah, you got anything you want to promote? Or is, do you have a podcast still going? Uh, but it, it's I've, I've kind of uh, taken uh, sabbatical uh, uh, on that. Just my life has gotten busy. Um, there are yeah. there is uh, some possible things that I might have down the line uh, on the cool. uh, radio variety without promising anything. Um, also, I'm going to be. Uh, it sounds like I might be soon joining a. Uh, committee for uh in here in hutch for the local uh river song music festival i've kind of been thinking about joining the uh booking committee uh nice good actually, get in that uh, rock scene this year's actually happening this this weekend and so that'll probably be what my weekend is consumed of of going and volunteering but then also going and seeing the music so yeah okay. a few other things fun yeah Nice. Yeah, man. Get involved there. Yeah, it was proposed to me that I book for this local, the spot, the place that we play both my bands 90% of the time. Um, But man, I'm way too busy with other stuff. You know, kids on top of a million other things like this podcast. Yes. Sweet. Man, it's good to talk again. Five Timers Club. You know, we're debating. We're debating ahead of time if uh, Patreon, you know, Patreon's count. I think it needs to be a separate Five Timers Club. So, like, Avery and I think might have achieved the Patreon-exclusive Five Timers Club as well as two regular episodes. Gotcha. Um, that's like, so that could be its own thing. Two different yeah, Two different color jackets. Yeah. <laughs> two different jacket colors uh, to, for joining the club. You know, I'll get nice smoking jackets made. <laughs> no, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I should come up with something. Well, well, I was going to say, we could always, we could always go uh, a la... SNL with that. <laughs> Have me be yeah. obnoxious and record a congr- right. audio congratulations to future members. Yeah, I think once a couple of these other people hit five, yeah. that we should all do an episode together. <laughs> there you go. Patreon of the Five Times Club episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah, or even just a regular one. We team up on a, on a cool on a deep cut or something. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right, dude. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Sounds and good. uh yeah, thanks for doing these daytime ones. These are these are nice to Oh no problem. I have no idea what's gonna happen the rest of birthday day, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. What what number is this for you? I am now thirty-four. Thirty-four, man. Still still so young. Er, early, Anyone early in, in their thirties now. 
but see, now I'm in the early mid thirties. I was early thirties. <laughs> so we always used to debate that, like what exact number, like, cause we were hanging on to our thirties. I mean, car is about to turn 40. Right. I mean, well, like eight, eight months from now, but like when it was 38, I'm like, no, 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 I'm still mid thirties. Like, no, you're mid to late thirties and then 39, 30s. solidly late thirties. And then you're, 40. you're mid late thirties, 38, then it's late thirties and 39. And then so oh i guess i forgot to say people should go follow uh the podcast on all the socials and go rate us on itunes and stuff you know because like that helps i think when people search for it for Mm -hmm. it to pop up um or yeah yeah leave a review i haven't anyone leave a review in a couple months uh text review you know say something silly and uh call and leave voicemails like jonathan does a bunch two two four eight zero one two nine three zero and peace out y'all yeah.